In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the defeat against Crotone, previewing the Derby della Madonnina, this week's Frog, Moratti and Moji, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Attenzione, Ronaldo salta anche Marchegiani e mette dentro 3-0. Andiamo, il principe entra in aria, è solo, il tiro, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol! Con Ronaldo a battere questo calcio di punizione molto lungo per Zamorano che gira bene al centro, attenzione, il destro, violentissimo! È lo spettacolare gol da parte di Zanetti! La prima squadra che vince qua è la nostra Inter! L'Inter vince! E Dillo, campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. Uh, I'm your host, Nima Tavallo Iruzzari, who barely recovered after the disastrous performance against Crotone away. Uh, and joining me to commiserate, as well as preview for the uh, preview the Derby della Madonnina, is uh, Mr. Eduardo Dalmonte. How are you, Eduardo? Well, as you can imagine, pretty horrible. Uh, as bad as you, possibly worse. What an absolute disgrace. And I had to watch it twice to write match ratings, and that was <laughs> even worse than watching it the first time. Normally, games get better the second time. Not this one, clearly. I, I rewatched the first 45 minutes just to be sure that... Because <laughs> when I was watching that, I tweeted it out as well. I had the feeling that this was the worst half of football I've seen an inter-side do play since this side of the millennium. So I had to watch that and see that I, was it just because I was angry? And no, it really was. The first half was the worst half of football I've seen inter play uh, this side of the millennium. But before we get into that, we're, we, we're very happy and proud to be joined by uh, a, a football journalist and a football writer who I personally admire a lot. Uh, he writes for ESPN, The Times, Corriere dello Sport. He's got a book out on Claudio Ranieri called Hail Claudio. Welcome to Studio Inter, Mr. Gabriele Marcotti. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Well, uh, we, 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 it's the Derby della Madonnina uh, on uh, Saturday, the lunch match. There's never been a uh, derby on a lunch match. Uh, first of all, what are your thoughts uh, about that, playing, uh, playing at lunch, uh, lunchtime? Um... You know what? It's gonna be it's gonna be obviously different. Um, Let me see. Uh, idea that it would be the the posticipo and it would be at night and under the lights. Um, but you know what? I can I can live with a daytime derby, and I think um, some of the people who made a big deal out of it. Uh, I'm thinking of you, Maritza Sarri, uh, are just are just off base. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you, you were disconnected there a little bit, but I mean, obviously, it's uh, there, there's been a lot of talk about that this is, you know, the Chinese influence of Inter and Milan, uh, the, the new owners at Inter, and also the incoming uh, owners at Milan. That that's, this kind of had an effect on it, and this is the kind of future we need to adapt. Uh, Italian football needs to adapt to. Uh, how, how do you stand on that? Well, first of all, as far as the uh, Chinese owners of Milan. Um, as of right now, we're taping this on uh, Monday night. Uh, they're not there yet. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit like waiting for Godot, right? Where, where, where Godot actually never shows up. Um, I don't know. Let's, let's believe it uh, when we see these guys uh, and, and what they're all about. Um, look, I, obviously the decision to have games at 12.30 
you know, is motivated um, partly by the probably by the need to 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 compete and, and compete in other markets. Um, but I don't think it's quite as so simple as saying, "Oh, look, Inter have a Chinese owner. That's why you know they're playing at 12:30." I mean, everybody plays at at 12:30 at some point in in Serie A. I don't think it's a big deal getting these games um, on television where where they can where they can reach a larger audience. Um, like I said, between 12:30 and 3 o'clock, it's not like a, we're not talking a mega break with tradition. If anything, you know, some of the objections are, are some of the same objections I remember when. When, when they started playing in the evenings, and there were a lot of people who didn't like that. So, you know, we, we've gone past that. We take it for granted now that big games are in the evening, so yeah. it's not at, at left time. Yeah, I agree, I agree. But uh, going into this derby, it's a special derby. I mean, 10 years ago, Inter, the, the derby della Madonnina was, was a derby that decided the Scudetto. A few years uh, later, it was about getting into the Champions League, uh, and, and now it's, it's what, for the Europa League? I mean, how, I mean how, how many more years of these poor performances from these two giants can this, dark, can this game take before we end up in a situation like the one that the Derby della Capitale had between Lazio and Roma, that basically the, 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 the highlight of the season is the Derby and not the titles? Well, maybe not even for the Euro League, <laughs> the way things are going. Um, keeping giants. Um, in some ways, you know, Inter for me and I've written this many times, have basically been a byword for how not to run a football club for, for the past 20 years, you know. And, and it, it, it's odd, too, because you would have thought that the, the triplete would have, would have been a perfect opportunity to, to take stock and, and maybe for, for Moratti to leave. But no, we, we got more of that, and it just got worse and worse. Um, I think... You know, the, the reality is there. The economics are there. The, the potential is there. Um, you look around, be hopeful. I do think that, you know, Serie A having, has, hit, has hit rock bottom um, and is slowly coming back, and, and you see little signs of that. And in some ways, Inter and Milan have been behind the curve compared to the rest of Serie A uh, in terms of coming back as, as, a, skept, as a spectacle, as a, as a commercial proposition. Um, but you know they they, they need to close they need to close the gap and put new people in uh, at, at Inter, um, and I think that's not to me suggests that Inter are, are one step ahead of Milan. You know, again, assuming uh, again they got changed by two and one Sino Europe come in. <laughs> and you know, Frank did this thing about sorry not to so you know I, <laughs> it's not just who's coming in, but like these Chinese guys who most people in China haven't even heard of are coming in and their secret weapon is <laughs> let's go and hire the, you know, the guy who we think is the greatest executive in Italian football. Let's go and hire Fasone. So frankly, uh, no, I, I think if, you know, it's a small consolation, but if you're an Inter fan, I think you could, you can say that you're ahead of the curve right now. Hmm. But if we go more onto the pitch and talk about these two, the, the seasons of these two teams, are they? I mean, are they? Are you? Are they both? Exp- are, you, are, you, are they both ex- uh, performing on where you expected them to be, or are you more disappointed with Inter than you are of Milan, given the investments in the summer? Well, I mean, I think as far as as far as Inter are concerned, uh, some very big mistakes were made in the summer, um, and they made those mistakes, and they they, they kind of still operated as if 
you know, oh, look, we're spending money, so clearly we're doing right. Uh, I thought it was a mistake to, uh, uh, you know, I, I thought the whole Mancini-DeBoer thing was, was horrendously mishandled. I thought DeBoer was really thrown in at the deep end. Um, he was not equipped, I think, to be in that job uh, at that time and clearly showed it on the pitch. But, you know, let's not, let's not throw Pioli out with a bathwater. He did, do, he did do a lot of good. And then for, for what, two and a half months, he showed what, what Inter could be. Um, and, and I think that's something that's very encouraging to a lot of people. Now, obviously, you know, the Sampdoria game was horrendous. And then everybody expected a reaction against Crotone. Uh, it got even worse. I don't know that the solution now by having... They're talking about, uh, oh, everybody in the Tito from Thursday and, you know, a, a punitive training session today, Monday. Um, I don't know if that's the answer or if that's, uh, you know, just going backwards. I think a lot of these players aren't helped by the fact that, you know, it's, it's perhaps, and I'm not making excuses for them because they're responsible, but, you know, it's not, it's not that easy to go and play for your future uh, when you don't know what that future is going to be, when you don't know if Charlie's going to stick around. Um, and you know, you're sort of continually looking over, looking over your shoulder at, at what might might happen out there. Um, I think in that sense, I think the club could have could have probably done a better job. But yeah, obviously the responsibility rests with with the players and and the manager. Uh, uh, Eduardo, do you have some questions for Gab? Uh, well, mainly um, I know this one's been done to death, but I mean, who would you think would be an ideal coach? Uh, obviously, I would maybe even exclude Simeone and Conte because I don't think they're going to lead their respective clubs because I'm having a real problem working out Pioli myself, whether to give him another year or not. And I'm wondering, sort of, with the options out there, with the realistic ones, I know we're in April. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure if there is a standout candidate beyond that. Um, maybe San Paoli, I don't know. What do you think? Well, San Paoli would be such a... Such a bizarre revolution. shift. Uh, <laughs> it would be a revolution. Yeah. I, you know, to be honest, I don't know if Inter needs a revolution right now. Um, as much as, as they need a little bit of a little bit of continuity. Um, the thing about Bialy to remember is he's one of those guys who, you know, if you sort of move in, in Italian soccer football circles, they, they'll come out and they'll tell you, oh, but you know. Pioli's so clever, I'm surprised he hasn't, you know, gotten more of a shot or wasn't Pioli, you know, unlucky when he was at, you know, Bologna or Lazio or whatever else. And, you know, I, I agree with that. The way I, the way I see it is I want to see what he can do with a real transfer window and not just the sort of, you know, crazy assorted hodgepodge that, that was put together. Uh. Gini loves to have options. He loves the idea of great players because then if I, have, if I have so many options, then they'll all compete. Well, yeah, when you have a lot of options, some players, maybe players who have the same mentality as Mancini did, do compete. Um, but then there are other players who, when they're not sure of themselves, they lose confidence and they don't contribute. What we've ended up here is, if I was to ask you guys, who is he instead of reserve center forward? We don't have. You would one. probably scratch your chin. Zero. Yeah, I mean, it we would be Palacio, maybe, right? Yeah, yeah. Palacio is the closest uh, to you He's thirty-five. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or you know, and 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 that's kind of that's kind of the reality of the way 
that this team, they, they turned it into sort of a hodgepodge of, 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 of mezza punte and attacking midfielder types who, who don't fit together. Um, all of that, I think, is down to, is down to the work that was, that was done in the summer. And I do also feel that, you know, at Inter, it was very easy for certain agents to come in mm. yeah, and an agent. <laughs> say, look, I have this guy. Yeah, isn't this guy a phenomenal footballer? And, you know, maybe he is, but he doesn't fit the team. And then you go, you talk to Mancini, and Mancini views it, viewed it as like, oh, look, you know, oh, look, here's another guy, and he's a great player, and great players figure out a way to play together. I know this because I was a great player. And, and again, and I think this is an angel problem that, that some great footballers have when they become managers is they sometimes struggle to realize that Mancini wasn't just a great player. He was one of the greatest Italian players of his generation. Um, and these guys he, he has played for him are not. <laughs> and they don't think the way he did. No, and they don't react to adversity the way, they, the way he did. No. You know, you can, go, you can say that to Gary Medell and he'll run through a wall. And he's not a great player, obviously, but he's somebody who... Luis doesn't. Jimenez was not a great right? player. <laughs> Precisely, right? I, I, I don't know if you go to Condogbia and you say, hey, Jeffrey, you're only getting a game if you, you know, if, if you go and you turn in three great training sessions this week. You know, Mancini, so you said that to Mancini, he would turn in three great training sessions that week. You said to Condogbia, he'd start getting insecure and be like, all right, well, you know, why did you sign... Yeah, if you're not going to play me, and why do why do I need to prove something to you and, and stuff like that? And I think, you know that was it went from that to, to to De Boer with who who I don't think Frank De Boer had I'm not sure he'd seen a City A game you know before he came over with some of his tactical choices. And again, maybe De Boer could have worked if there was a strong director of football and he'd been given time and and his own players and stuff. But you know when you take over in July. When you have like 11 days of, of, of training camp, you know, you're going to end up with the direct that, that we saw. Mm, that's true. But um, uh, my big fear is, is another wasted year. That's not what I want. Hmm. I agree. And that's, that's also one thing. I mean, if we look at the situation from uh, at the Inter since, two, basically, as you said, since the treble, it's basically been year one, year zero, year zero, year one, year zero. And, and like you said, another wasted year. And, and, and it's soon been a decade of just a wasted decade of restarts and reboots. And sure, I mean, you can blame a lot on presidents and ownership changes. But at some point, exactly like you say, there needs to be a bit of stability and, and, and not to kind of jump out into the end, deep end again and just gamble something together. You, you, know, you know what? I'll tell you guys this. If, if a genie comes out of the ball, and said to me, look, you can keep Pioli for another season and Pioli will get Inter in the Europa League and you'll get some sort of identity and you will figure out who's good and who can contribute. I would be happy with that. You know, you mentioned Simeone before. Simeone's contract expires in 2018. You know, if, if Inter turn in without spending crazy in the summer, because they can't, with just, you know, a, a little bit of spending here and there, Hang on to hang on to come out ahead, and you lay down the framework for something. You qualify for the Europa League, you finish a strong fourth, and then you realize, okay, well they're going to go to the next level. Need somebody else, and then maybe in March or April, you approach Simeone, and then you get Simeone in 2018. I would be content with that because at least Simeone would be coming into into some continuity, 
and, and not sort of the, 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 the perennial basket case that, that we have here. <laughs> I agree. And also, given the fact that next season, the 2017-2018 season, Serie A has again four teams uh, four yeah. spots in the Champions League. I think I agree 100% with that. A, four, a fourth spot is something that Pioli should be able to do with a proper preseason and a transfer window. So I agree 100% with that. But if we focus more uh, on on um, on, sun, uh, on Saturday's game um, and, and and also this game as a whole, I mean, it, I mean, you've you've witnessed some some amazing derbies, uh, and I've also and some you know I've also had the great pleasure to see some amazing derbies through the years. But if you were to pick out maybe your top three. Uh, the Derby de la Madonina's that you that you can remember through the years that you've seen uh, seen yourself. Which ones would they be? Starting with the third one. Oh wow! I really need to. Uh, I really need to need, need to think back. Okay. Um, because they all kind of they all kind of mesh into one. Um, I if I remember correctly, one of my most vivid memories was from the title winning 88-89 season um, where I think Aldo Serena scored. Mm. Um, yeah. I, that was kind of one of my earliest memories and I had one of my, one of my most, most vivid memories. I also remember, you guys, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to get these all mixed up. Seriously, when you... <laughs> <laughs> they don't, don't unfortunately don't they, they don't stand out the way they should. I remember <laughs> I remember the the two two in, in the fog. That would that would that would have been Oh what, Simeone scoring twice. Yeah. 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 Something like that. I remember Sim- yeah. Simeone scored the first one. Was that the Ronaldo's first one? That finished two two, didn't it? Ronaldo and Simeone scored two one each, and then the other guys uh, I can't remember who it was for Milan who scored. Like Ronaldo got a penalty, wasn't it? Because that finished two two. His first ninety seven, ninety eight. I think so. Yeah. And I remember the six one, of course. Yeah. So. Well, oh. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but Comandini my, I, scored. Yeah, Gianni <laughs> Comandini. Gianni Comandini. The, Isn't Comandini like a DJ on the on the <laughs> Romagna Riviera now? Isn't he? I'm, I'm not listen, even joking. I think he listen, actually I, is. For for weird reasons that I, I might explain one day, but not now. I'm friends with a number of Atalanta fans, and <laughs> every time, one in particular, every time they flick on the TV or read the paper, and somebody else talks about what a genius, what an absolute genius Beppe Marotta was, um, and how Beppe Marotta is the greatest executive in football, and blah blah blah, he always points to the fact that they spent something like 30 billion lire back when that was a lot of money on. Comandini and Saudati. That was that, that was Atalanta's uh, strike force that, that the genius put together, and I think between them they scored like three goals. So, you know, no, no, I'm serious. Like, look it up. There, there's whole websites devoted to to like Marotta's Marotta's bad signings over the years, and, and I realize you can make bad signings and good signings, but you know. I, I, I'll leave it there. <laughs> so there's no, but, but you know, just just, just whatever. whatever he 30 miliardi. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I um, he did he did he did, he did yeah, I agree with you. They, but but uh, I mean, he's no. Let's put it to this way. He's no Pier Paolo Marino. If we put it to that way. He's <laughs> <laughs> not Marco Branca either. If you know oh my God! Oh no! Oh my, my God! That guy! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Speaking of which, now that we're into it, I mean, there's been a lot of criticisms for uh, against uh, against Piero Auxilio, which I, you know, if I can just say what I, I think, it's been unfair. I think Auxilio has done really well given the situation that he's been and with with a limited budget, and also that the fact that you know, if you look at the if Mazzari, Gasperini, all these all, all these different coaches, they don't really have that much in common, and he's always kind of delivered for them. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I mean, I think. Fazio was the essay. He had a hand in hiring all these different coaches. So, as he's Italian, saltare di palo in frasca from from one guy to the other. Um, so, you know, I, I can't exonerate him. I can't exonerate him fully. But, you know, I was at the Euros. I watched Joe Mario play, and I sort of said, okay, he's all right. Um, I like him at 15 million euros. I don't like him at what Inter paid for him. Um, the, the, you know, I, I, it's, it's always difficult to tell. I mean, I think directors of football should be, ju- should be judged on how much they pay for somebody more than who they sign, because you presume to some degree, especially when there's a stronger manager and putting it this way, again, as I said, I love Roberto Mancini, I the privilege of meeting him as a person. Um, but I would never want Mancini working for me. And I certainly wouldn't want to be working. Um, all those, 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 those wacky signings that were made in that, in that period, um, you know, I look at it and, you know, I don't know what was Mancini, what was Auxilio. I presume they were all Auxilio making Mancini happy, happy. And if you want to blame Auxilio for not standing up to Mancini and sort of saying like, hey, you know, I, 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 you sure about, you know, the, 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 you sure about Ansaldi? You sure about this guy? You know, <laughs> you've actually seen him more than twice or, you know, but like the Brazilian left back. Um, uh, I mean, I, yeah, you, you know, but then you can see how much was spent on these guys. And, and the other thing that was also done, which a lot of people don't perhaps realize is, you know, Inter basically broke financial fair pay parameters to sign these guys. And as a result, they, they, they reached this financial fair play settlement with UEFA, which, well, already this season, you know, put limits on, on the Europa League squad and whatever, but it's going to be ongoing because at some point they're going to have to, they're going to, have to show a profit. Um, they effectively, without going into the minutiae, Inter spent more than they were allowed to spend, considerably more, um, in exchange for being profitable the next couple of years. And that's another thing, I think, to consider when you talk about Pioli or, or other people you know, next season. Next season, I don't think Inter can run the transfer window at a serious deficit. It's just not, not possible, not if they want to play in, in some European competition someday, uh, in our lifetime anyway. So, you know, that... That's another thing to consider. That happened on Auxilio's watch. And you, know, you can also say, well, I'm the essay, he's the bean counter, well, you sign the players. And in some ways, it kind of reminds me of the old Monati era where everybody kind of passed the buck and then, uh, and, and then Massimo you know, would go and, and sign a big check. Well, you can't sign a big check anymore to get yourself out of it. I think that's something to bear in mind. Mm, that's a very, very interesting point. Um, uh, Eduardo, I'm going to pass you. Uh, you got something you want to ask? 
no, that's, okay. that's actually good. Yeah, no, I was I was just gonna say going into this, uh, the match now on uh, Saturday uh, again. Uh, w- w- what kind of a game are you expecting to see? Are you looking Are you looking to see again the, the derby similar to when Pioli made his debut with an Inter running the you know having the ball position and running things and uh, Milan counter attacking, or are you expecting Inter to be a little bit more disciplined this time? Well, I think we're going to find out a lot about. Well, what sort of an Inter manager Pioli is. Um, the, the stock reaction is that you've lost two in a row, so your stock reaction would be, all right, let's not mess this one up, right? Let's go out there. Let's be a little bit more conservative. Let's, you know, make sure that Delofeo and Souza don't get behind us, and let's force Milan to come out and then, you know, and, and, and kind of turn into a war of attrition and, you know, maybe use an advantage on, on set pieces or whatever, at least for the first 45 minutes. Um, that's the conservative approach, and then maybe the route that Pioli goes. I hope I hope we see more aggression. I hope Inter look at themselves and say, you know, with all due respect, we're playing against Pasalic and Kuchka and, and, and guys like that. Um, and we're going to impose ourselves on the midfield. Gagliardini is at his best when he doesn't have somebody saying like, oh, you know, oh, be careful because, you know, watch this guy, watch that guy, you know, protect Miranda and all this jazz. No, he's at his best when he goes and, 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 he, and he drives uh, forward. Um, same goes for, for, for Perisic. Um, that's what I think Pioli would want to do. Now, whether Pioli has the guts to go and do that with a team with presumably a shattered morale and a team that's naturally going to want to be conservative, I don't know. But to me, that's, that's a huge challenge for him. Um, I, 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 yeah, absolutely. And also, Gagliardini has been injured, and, and, and to, to see him, uh, how, how much he can recover until that game is really important, because I think Kondogbia, together with Gagliardini, is, it's so important to have them two together, because Brozovic... Uh, <laughs> God bless him, but uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. He hasn't exactly been showing to himself from the best side, at least not from a mental strength. He hasn't been exactly demonstrating mental strength recently. So, well, sorry, uh, you're talking about the the, the thing against some. I mean, that, that, that's not even that's not even mental strength. That's <laughs> that's just. I mean, I, I would hope that you know, Piali took him aside and said, "Please tell me exactly what you were thinking, and if you weren't thinking." <laughs> Why weren't you thinking? You know, it's as simple as that. No, and, and you know, and, and you're going to go run laps until you sh- you've shown that 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 you belong that you belong in this team and that you can stay concentrated for 90 minutes. Because frankly, you know, we all love Brozovic when when he does when he plays well, but we're talking about Marcelo Brozovic here. We're, we're not talking about about Luis Suarez or or, mm. or Neymar. You know, he is not somebody who is so talented that. You put up with, with nonsense like that. You know, if Brozovic plays, he has to be concentrated for 90 minutes. It's as simple as that. He is not that good that he can he can give himself lapses in con- in, in, in concentration. You know, Inter have a ton of guys who can play his position, and who I think people would rather see on the pitch than him if he's not going to be concentrated. Um, I yeah, I don't, I don't want to say that it's like you know the butterfly in the rainforest. Uh, flapping its wings and, wings and causing a tidal wave, but you could work backwards and suggest that if he doesn't do what he did on Monday night, uh, Inter don't lose against Sampdoria, and therefore they don't implode against Crotone uh, this past weekend. You know, you could go and, and, and reach that conclusion. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that, 
But I don't want a guy like that in, in, in the team unless his head's right, and clearly it wasn't. That's a really interesting point because that also kind of built tangents a little bit on this issue of mental strength that's been discussed a lot in Italian media and also amongst supporters and, and, Twitters, et cetera, and Twitter, etc. That this team, that, you know, I mean, if you look at the Inter have sacked seven, eight coaches in, since 2010, changed coaches that many times, and, and it can't always be the coach's fault. It's got to be something else. And they, this, like, you, like you said, it's a hodgepodge of the team, but also from a mental uh, perspective, this team seems to, it, it's as if these, these players, when put in a group together, break each other down mentally. And when they go away from each other, they seem to perform. I mean, look at Andrea Ranocchia at Hull. I mean, Hull is hardly one of the best teams <laughs> in the Premier League. And still, he scores goals. He's one of their best players. Now, sure, a lot of that is down to him. You know, his, his attributes are suited to the Premier League. But it's also, I think, is a mental issue as well. It seems that... They, they, they've kind of. There seems to be something, the problem there that they need to address. What are your thoughts on that, Gap? Well, I mean, I think Anoka, the poor guy. I mean, he's an extreme case. Given what, given what he went to, he came to, to Inter at the wrong time in the wrong circumstances, and you know, he was he was just sort of morally and mentally demolished. Um, what concerns me more. Is is players at Inter who, you know, who I don't want to lapse into the old thing like you know who 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 show like they don't care and whatever else. But you have to you have to create an environment, I think, where where people care and they're confident and they're secure. You don't do that by, for example, continually chopping and changing your team because it's going to make people less secure. You also have to accept that players' personalities are what they are. Um, you know, we mentioned Kondogbia before. I think Kondogbia has the tools to be a tremendous central midfielder. He often doesn't show it because his personality is a little bit more laid back, um, a little maybe less secure. He's more stop-start, and that's what he is. And so if I'm going to play Kondogbia, I have to make sure I have players around him who can make up for that. Brozovic is, is, is just a different case because you can't be like, oh, you know, Look at me, I'm Mr. Slavic Warrior, and you know I I, I I eat steel for breakfast and blah blah blah, and then you go and you, you you know you do some of the stupid stuff that he does. I mean, even even Mauricardi, and and then you'll go and you'll prove me wrong by doing something stupid again. Even he's managed with all his weirdo choices and his own personal life and and, and all his issues. Even he's managed to to go through an extended period without doing something dumb or weird. So, to me, that shows that, you know, he gets it to some degree. You can have a whole clutch of players like that, and you can carry some players who maybe have those insecurities on the team. Not everybody's going to be a Gary, uh, a Gary Medell or, or a Gagliardini, but um, you can't have guys who are supposed to be your go-to guys, your go-to tough guys, go and let you down in the way that, in, in, in the way that, that for example, Brozovic did. Uh, that's, um, yeah, that's true. That's an interesting point. Uh, right, uh, Gab, but before we let you go, can, um, I wanted to, uh, uh, to, to ask you to predict uh, the, the derby on, on the Saturday. Goal scorers, results and all. <laughs> 
so I think Milan are actually going to be affected by by the closing, non-closing this week, um, in the sense that I don't think there will be a closing. And I think Mr. Lee and Mr. Hahn are going to disappear again and, and, and tell us about some future postponed closing. I think it's going to have a knock-on effect. Uh, I know Montella a little bit. I don't think Milan are playing the way he would like him to play or the way he would like his teams to play. I think what he's basically doing is trying to keep a solid back seven, wait for Susan Delefeu to do something, um, and you know hope that Baca justifies his uh, his inclusion, bearing in mind that playing with Baca is often like playing with 10 men. To me, that says that there's a lot of opportunities. I think he could match up very well against um, against Milan, despite despite the form. Um, if they can get a reaction, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward. Inter win. Uh, I'm thinking something like 2-0. If, on the other hand, Inter go out and decide to raise the barricades and say, oh, no, let's be cautious, then you're heading for a draw or a loss. Do you think Mauro Icardi will finally be able to break his uh, derby curse and score against Milan again this Saturday? Um, I don't know, honestly. I mean, I, I know I'm not a big believer in like you know uh, sort of uh, curses and that kind of thing. And so and so has never scored against these guys, unless of course you're talking about you know Germany beating Italy in a competitive match. Uh, which they've never done, of course, uh, uh, because competitive matches are only last 90 minutes until these don't count. But, um, I, so, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm not too bothered about it. I, I think I think he's actually matured to the point where he's contributing when he's not scoring as well, most of the time. Um, and I think that's... I, I, I think, I mean, and I think that's a real positive for, for Inter. Uh, you know, knock on wood that he's he's reaching some level of maturity. Yeah, that's true. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And before I let you on, my colleague Max has been tra- stuck in traffic and he's finally here. I know he wants to ask me something. Max. Sure. Hi, Gab. How are you? Pleasure, man. Ciao, Max. Um, just wondering uh, if you think uh, Pioli's still a- auditioning for another full season at uh, Inter or... Uh, if uh, he's uh, pretty much uh, got the gig uh, next season, no matter what happens for the rest of the year? Um, I think he should have the gig, no matter what happens the rest of the year. But um, unfortunately, knowing Italian football, and, and it's weird. In, in the case of some clubs, new owners from abroad come in and, and they bring different ideas and a slightly different way of, uh, of thinking. Uh, and he did, unfortunately, new owners come in. And they adopt all the worst qualities of Italian owners straight away. Um, I'm hoping it's not going to be like that with with Suning. It certainly was with uh, with Eric Toyer's crew. Um, so, I, from what I'm told, the job isn't his yet. So I think he feels like he's still he's still definitely auditioning. Well, uh, it was a great pleasure to have you, uh, Gabriel Marcotti uh, at Marcotti on Twitter. Thank you so much for coming on, and I hope your prediction comes through and we see an Inter win on Saturday. Pleasure's all mine, boys. Buona vacanza. Ciao. That's really. it. Take care. Hey, ciao, ciao. 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 Right. That was uh, the one and only Mr. Gabriel Marcotti, who uh, was kind enough to join us uh, from his holiday in Tenerife, actually. <laughs> and uh, welcome, Mr. Max DeLuca. Good to have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, pleasure to be here. Sorry, guys. I... Uh, 
got stuck in traffic and uh yeah i missed i missed the talk with gab i'm uh i'm uh pretty upset not as upset as it was uh after that debacle on sunday but uh pretty upset nonetheless yeah, it's, we're gonna get to that as well. We've been oh, focusing okay. mainly we're, we've been focusing mainly on the Derby della Madonnina, the situation in Inter and Milan, and with 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 Gab and, and I, I say let's focus on the game before we go on to the to the piece of shit we have to witness. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's uh, let's uh, let's talk about it. Uh, the Derby, uh, Margotti said that given the 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 uh, this this whole sale of Milan that this will have a destabilizing factor on 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 the team and therefore he thinks that he, and also given that Montella isn't play get, getting Milan to play the way he wants them to play this should talk go right into Inter's hands but having said that we you know Inter come up with two one two losses uh, really poor performances against Sampdoria and against uh, Crotone so I mean we, do we really have a favorite this, I mean, objectively speaking, uh, Max, do, do, who's your? Do, do we really? Can we say anyone is a favorite? I don't think we can say anybody's a favorite. I mean, we've all seen Inter in their form the last couple of weeks. Uh, losses to Sampdoria and Crotone. I mean, that's that, that's terrible. Um, we haven't won. I mean, we drew with Torino. We haven't won since the seven-one victory on March twelfth. Um, Milan has failed to impress this season, and again, the, the sale is on off again. Uh, drama, I think it's supposed to go through Thursday, but I don't really think. Do you feel comfortable uh, saying anyone's the favorite? I, I wouldn't feel comfortable if I was a Milan fan, and I certainly don't feel comfortable being an Interisti. So, yeah, not confident ahead of the Derby, that's for sure. What about you guys? Eduardo, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it really isn't flattering what we've seen recently. And I mean, Milan at least have had this sort of irritating sort of barnacle. Barnacle? I kind of kept <laughs> thinking that, you, you know what I mean? Like, I thought they'd get the Mancini 2016 calendar year curse when all of a sudden the one nils run out and you start drawing and losing loads of games. And I mean, to a certain extent, they've done it but it hasn't really been as catastrophic as I thought. And their squad this year is a whole lot worse than ours last year, I would probably argue, um, at least in terms of depth, if not in the quality of certain of the best players. But yeah, that's, that's the annoying thing, is that I think Montella has proved more than any other time how good a coach he is to me. Because at Sampdoria, he inherited a mess, and you couldn't... Yeah, he did pretty okay in Sampdoria, but... I don't know. I, my my feeling going into um, going into uh, Derby is always the same. That no matter the Derby is the Derby. I remember the the Schelotto Derby that week. I was down in in Milan and Milan with Allegri beat Barcelona after a fantastic performance at the San Siro, two goals to nil without Balotelli. He was on the bench. He was on the bench uh, looking on and. Um, he was, uh, it, it, it looked, Milan looked completely unstoppable that night. And knowing that, we, and knowing that we, Inter, were going into playing against a Milan that without Ibrahimovic and Thiago Silva had beaten Barcelona in the Champions League, you know, th- that, I, was, I was expecting an Inter, Inter to get completely, you know, and also with Stefan Elisharavi, who was, who was having a, you know, that was his really true breakthrough season. I was expecting Inter to get completely destroyed. Uh, we we had just signed Schelotto, uh, and <laughs> that was that was our that was our master move. 
uh, selling Livaya and bringing Skelotto for like three times his worth. Worse, worse. So um, I was worried, and and when Milan took the lead, everything I just saw everything you know turning into a six nil, six one defeat. But the derby is special, and and I think exactly like you said, Max. You know, the, 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 you can't really say that there is a favorite here. I think this game can go anyway, anyway at all. But what I do expect it to be is to see I, these these are two teams that are under pressure, and they are under pressure due to different circumstances that we've alluded to earlier. Uh, in this in this episode and and also in in, in previous episodes, they're under pref- pressure. Both teams are, and I think both teams will want to win. I because neither Pioli or Montella are coaches that cancel each other out. They're not the kind of you know uh, Allegri's that you know the, or or you know classic Italian coach uh, like a Capello or a Trapattoni or or a Mancini or anyone like that that want to cancel everything out. They're going to go for the win, both of them. So I think that this could be a rather entertaining game. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think, Edward? Do you agree with that? Uh, to a certain extent, I think as well, a lot of the pressure is on... Um, well, it's probably more on Pioli than it is on Montella. Um, Pioli can be the kind of guy to cancel a game out. At least he was at Bologna. But uh, Lazio, his team, certainly didn't seem to show any solidity whatsoever in big games. And that's another worry I've got, is that effectively his big game score so far is not very good, uh, either at Inter or at Lazio. At Lazio, apparently, he only collected points in those two seasons against Fiorentina. That was basically it. <laughs> uh, didn't even do well against us. So um, there's a concern there. Um, I will still say this is an entertaining one because Pioli is kind of hamstrung by the players he's got. And the two teams, Inter certainly can't afford to play defensively, um, which is another issue. That's, that's exactly also it. Because uh, ne- neither Milan or Inter can afford to play defensively because... It, 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 it just isn't there, you know. So, so that's why I'm kind of building. That's what I was thinking. I think they're both going to go for it. Um, so uh, I don't know, Max. What do you think? I mean, Inter hasn't kept the clean sheet since February. So I mean, I feel that we're going to concede no matter what. Um, but I feel confident that we can breach uh, their back line as well. I have a feeling this could be a two-two, a three-two, a high-scoring game. That's uh, that's what I'm predicting. I can definitely see that, Nima. Well, speaking of predictions, you see, you see, you think it's going to be another due due like last, uh, <laughs> like the last uh, derby. So um, I'll tell you what I was, I was thinking that, but I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I, I am not confident going into this, and I'll tell you why. I, I, I know I have a weird infatuation with Murphy's Law and 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 sick. <laughs> Sick, almost sick, sick obsession with when when things go to hell, they really go to hell. Um, this has got nothing to do with Inter. This is just me, you know, all over the place here a little bit. Just bear with me here. In 1990 World Cups, Sweden lost their three group stage matches: one, two, one, two, one, two. Inter are on a two-match one-two-one-two streak. Uh, the game against Torino ended two-two, but we were one-two down. I just have a feeling that Inter are just going to pay tribute to the Swedish national team coach Ole Nordin of 1990 and just go on one of these 1-2, 1-2, 1-2 losses and march themselves into the crisis that they had battled themselves out of. So I, don't, I think we're going to lose. I think we're going to lose 2-1. And I think that Icardi is going to score, but that uh, they're, they'll win. There's Suzo score and, and, and uh, Baka will score again. So that's, that's, that's what I think. 
You and your numerology again. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I told you I'm, I'm not basing this on any, like, you know, any, any scientific empirical evidence. It's just, you know, me, my obsession with numerology and numbers. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't have any relatives from Naples, but you wouldn't believe that listening to me, would you? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, but uh, Eduardo, what about you if you predict and... Well, numerology is true because Italy makes a World Cup final every 12 years and I calculated that by myself when I was a teenager before I read anything. So, yeah, totally. <laughs> 70, 82, 94, 2006, 2020, si va a comandare. Anyway, oh. um, which is my favorite expression of all time for some reason. Um, and... Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not confident about it either, to be very honest, because I think we're going to get outsmarted at some level. Um, I would maybe say something more like in the 1-1 area, Kandreva will score a goal, not play that well, but because he scores, we'll get to play the next five games in a row when clearly he needs a break because he's completely exhausted. Um, I don't know. There's something about Milan which is just irritating. And I, the, the, the thing is, in the last game, for example, into Milan, it was Pioli's first, I know, but... He could have taken a more cautious approach. He just went balls into it. He just said, right, let's just attack them because our defense is terrible. Gary Medell got hurt after 37 minutes. Couldn't really predict that. But um, you just felt that in the second half, Milan had chances to make it three. The two counters, they had Suzo just running at Ansaldi as if he wasn't even there. There was a little, I'll, I'll, I'm a little bit worried that something similar is going to happen again. And it's the thing is that for me, at least, there seems to be an increasing... Um, uh, contrast between Pioli the thinker and sort of Pioli the great strategist and kind of what I'm seeing recently we seem to be too one-dimensional and I think if we play with anywhere near because I think that the Sampdoria and Crotona games there were problems they problems in those games had manifested themselves beforehand Perisic and Kandreva playing in one way having full banks who can't cross having a midfield that isn't necessarily always together with it, having Icardi being completely isolated. If a few of these things manifest themselves again against Milan, it's not going to go well. That's my fear anyway. So what do you predict? Come on, let me know. Oh, 1-1. One, one. Die, die, die. Okay, who scores? 1-1. One, one. Candreva for us and for them, yeah, it's going to be annoying. It's going to be Deo lo feo. Hmm. What about you, Max? I've been following this uh, this club of ours for a long time and uh, I know when they're done and they're finished their psyche is fragile and uh, we're going to lose 2 nothing. unfortunately this team has packed it in you see that's you just said exactly what I feel and I didn't want you to say <laughs> I was hoping for you to be like the other to, to like balance out the negative because you, you, just, you just vocalized my deepest fear there that's exactly how I feel I feel this team is mentally weak I feel they've packed it in and it's just basically to, to damage control. It's all it is now. It's damage control until the end of the season. I've seen this movie once before, actually too many <laughs> times before, and it always ends the same way. So, sorry guys, I wish I could be positive, but... No, no, don't, don't bullshit yeah. us. That's, that's better. Right. Better, keep, better keep it honest. <laughs> no, but um, speaking of which, um, uh, if, we, if we look back to our favorite uh, Derby memories, I asked uh, Gab for his, and he mentioned the 2-2 when Ronaldo was there, and etc. And, and, and I got to say, my, my favorite Derby memory is, is, is that's because I was there. Um, I was working uh, with the game. Uh, the uh, the 2011, 2010, 2011 
Uh, no, sorry, the 2011-2012 derby, uh, Stramaccioni's derby, uh, one of his first games in charge when Milito scored a hat-trick and that amazing tifo. Uh, it, it, it was every, that, that match was just everything about it. Ibrahimovic scored one amazing goal. Uh, I mean, it, it, was every, it was everything that Derby de la Madonina should be and then some. Electric atmosphere, fantastic football. Mykon scores a belter for two. I mean, it, it was it was everything. And then the tifos on on both sides and Inter's tifo that that um, uh, that what, what, what was it called? Non, non, which one is it, Eduardo? I forget it. It's in Middle East dialect. You know the one with the Madonina, the blue and one. Oh, um, off. Oh, uh, I have I have it as my own. Uh, I have it as my screensaver for. Cosa? Oh, mia bella Madonina. Tite Dominat Milan. Ah, Tite Dominat Milan, of course. Yeah, that beautiful, that beautiful, that beautiful, that Derby Tifo. And I mean, and that's not even the best Tifo I've seen live. The most beautiful one was the one with the Castello that went on for like 15, 20 minutes, which is just absolutely sensational. But that game, all of it from start to finish, was 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 just sensational. And that was, in my opinion, the last time we saw. A derby della Madonina with the kind at the level that it deserves to be. You know, you had Ibrahimovic, Milito, Schneider, Maicon, you know, Thiago Silva. You know, you had world class players on, on both teams, and 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 I, I so want us to get back there, uh, and I think we are. I think we are. But that was my favorite memory. Uh, what about you, Max? Which one's yours? Yeah, for me, it's uh, Lashley Snyder's debut, Baptism by Fire. He basically gets off the plane and jumps uh, <laughs> into the San Siro and just has a belter of a clash. Uh, I mean, for nothing, uh, Gattuso just losing his mind and getting sent off. Leonardo, first real test as Milanco. It was just great for a whole bunch of reasons. <laughs> That's my favorite of recent memory. But that seems like a long, long time ago, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Indeed it does. Uh, What about you, Eduardo? Which one's yours? That game's got to be in it because a friend of mine who's a big Milan fan and a big Berlusconi voter, but a great guy, um, he's sort of very like, he's a brilliant dude, but he's very sort of hard-headed. And after this game, he basically just puts on his like, he puts on his top and like pulls the hoodie down and insists on walking home. No lift, no nothing, (laughs) just walks home. And this would have taken him a good 35 minutes when he could have easily driven in five. And he's like, no, me vado a casa. Like everybody there <laughs> laughing at him. It was absolutely amazing. That, yeah, basically Snyder coming off the plane and blasting one, hitting the bar. And then Thiago Motta, the greatest goal he's ever scored, probably. Otherwise, us beating Milan 4-3 in what I think was the 06-07 first yeah. derby. That was yeah, thrills. Ibrahimovic chipping the ball over Nesta. And then, oh yeah, I remember that. That was such a and then, one. And then Materazzi gets sent off and we get 4-3. Oh, it, was, it was insane, it, wasn't, it was an absolutely fantastic game. 4-1, 4-3, and then, yeah. That was just crazy. Crazy game, crazy. And the one we went 3-2 with a last-minute Adriano goal. I was going to say that. That was yes. also, that was like the beginning of the winning cycle, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And, it was, uh, and we hadn't really... Against um, Vieri, yeah, against Vieri, because he had left Inter on a free transfer not, and then like stabbed Moratti in the back and signed for, signed for Milan. And then he's the one who loses the, the aerial challenge against oh, yeah. uh, Adriano. Yeah, I've got, that, I've got that tattooed on my brain. So, yeah. <laughs> Take that, <laughs> so, Yeah, exactly. No, I, I remember that. But, but I've got to say, the most, the most passionate derby or the most intense derby I can remember is the, the trip, treble season returned like 2-0 uh, 
with uh, when when <laughs> we Schneider gets uh, sent off by Rocky for the ironic applause. Oh. And and Pandev scores a free kick. He's just before he uh, and everything there, and then the penalty and Lucio gets sent off, and all the chaos surrounding that, and and then Mourinho's press conference afterwards, which I still actually watch and listen to. I'm so happy it's still out there. It's it's in Domenica Sportiva and Rai, where he just lets fly. I mean, he is. Um, it's Mourinho at his best. I, 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 oh my God. I, let me put it to you this way. It's worth learning Italian just to watch that. <laughs> it's worth learning the language just to understand what he's saying at that post-match interview because it is amazing. Uh, no, it, that, that game for me was the most intense one and the one that stayed with me the most. It's not my favorite like because obviously I wasn't there. You know, when you're there and you see it, it's a different thing. But... but um, no, it, it, that was the, that one is the one my favorite one out of the ones that or the ones that stayed with me the most. Uh, one of the ones that stayed with me the most is remember the Champions League guy, uh, Derby della Madonnina. Yeah, how can you forget, eh? Where the iconic, the iconic picture of Gattuso and Materazzi leaning on each other when uh, the Miazza is basically in flames. <laughs> I yeah, still blame Marcus Burke for that. I still blame Marcus Mark. Whenever he was refing games, I'm like, oh, here we go. Something bad's going to happen this game. I, sure remember I, I had a friend, uh, I, I had a couple of friends who are German and who said that in Germany in the Bundesliga there was a chant called that, that everyone used to sing when someone was shit. That basically literally went, you're as shit as Marcus Mark. <laughs> that's, yes. how, that's, that's how popular of a referee that guy was. Dubis Chais v Marcus Mack. I, I still don't so. know why he. I still don't know why he disallowed Cambiasso's goal, which was which started everything. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, I don't think he knew at the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was a dentist as well. I mean, you know, when we were kids, we used to call dentists sadists. <laughs> so maybe 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 that's what it is. I don't know. Okay. Right, uh, speaking of sadistic uh, sadists and sadistic tendencies uh, is what basically what Inter put every Interisti through uh, for ninety minutes, especially the first forty-five away at Crotone on Sunday. I don't even know where to begin with this one. I, I started the show this earlier this episode by saying that you know I had to rewatch the first 45 minutes to, to to see if my first impression that that was the worst 45 minutes I've seen interplay since the millennium were true, and I gotta say yeah it was it was atrocious. What the fuck happened, Max? Yeah, Max. <laughs> <laughs> um. For me especially, it was, it was a double whammy because my father is a Juventino and he's Calabres, so it was like a, a double, <laughs> double a gut punch on Sunday. I was not answering the phone that day, that's for sure. Um, I mean, our fullbacks are ex- were exposed brutally in the first half by Crotone. I mean, if I'm an opposing manager, that's who I target, and they were ruthless, and they they attacked, and we paid the price. Um, I didn't think Murillo looked all that sharp as well. Uh, I would have, I would have rather Medell uh, purely have uh, left Medell uh, as a central defender, but uh, they pushed him up, and with uh, two two uh, central uh, defensive midfielders, uh, Cortona had their way with us. Cortona looked like Barcelona. Uh, <laughs> let me let me read you a stat here. 
In the first 45 minutes alone, Inter lost possession 17 times. Okay? Guess how many times, how many of those times were a winger or on the wings? 15? No, 11. 11 out of 17. I mean, when you talk about the, the fullbacks being the weakest p- part of the team, and when Perisic and Candreva are having an off day and can't protect D'Ambrosio and uh, what's his name, Ansaldi on the other side, this is what we mean. This, this, is, this is what, you know, 17 times, 11 out of 17 times, a winger or a fullback loses position. And if you look at the, the, their goals, I mean, the penalty, I mean, we need to talk about it. Personally, I think it is a penalty. Yes, it's harsh, but he, he, he blocks the, it's the, the hand, the arm is not in a natural position. Yeah, sure, he slides and falls, but he blocks the movement. Of, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, for me, that's a penalty. I don't, I, I would, I don't think, it you know, I think... It interferes with the play, yeah. Yeah, it interferes with the play. I mean, it's bad luck, whatever you want to call it, but it's still a penalty. Uh, so, so we'll get, I'll ask you. Uh, I'll see what you guys think. But, but I mean, after, besides from that, the, the, before that, it came through the wing, and, Fal, and, and the same thing with this with Falcinelli's second goal. That was also via the wings. I mean, what the fuck is going on? I mean, when are when is this club? We don't, you know, great Bernardeschi, Berardi, but we need fullbacks. We need people on the wings, especially in the defensive. Our fullbacks that can that know how know what positioning is that know how to, that have the stamina and the intelligence to be able to run intelligently and the stamina to do it for over 90 minutes so that they don't get caught out. I mean, D'Ambrosio and Ansaldi were exposed for the hacks they are against Crotone, for crying out loud. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, sorry, Eduardo, take it away. No, 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 I didn't want to interrupt you, but basically this is what, this is what was shocking me a lot about a lot of the recent stuff I was hearing about, you know, D'Ambrosio is deserving a call-up and, you know, D'Ambrosio. And I was sort of going, I don't know, because you're basically always praying he doesn't do something stupid. You're always praying he doesn't make a mistake. And I've always thought that his offensive contribution is limited. He scored two goals recently. Good for him, you know, but he's always had that strength of being able to be at the right place at the right time in the box. Although, admittedly, until now, we've not seen it a lot this season. But I would much rather have final balls. And in fact... I stupidly forgot to add a stat to my article. I must have forgotten to hyperlink it, so it's getting edited. My latest one on ESPN, in which it shows Ansaldi and D'Ambrosio's crossing stats, which are, you know, in one of them's case, it's one accurate cross per four inaccurate ones, and in the other, it's one in five, which is... That's not good enough. That's not that's good not enough good when enough. you consider... It. And you look at Serie A, and there's actually a shortage of good fullbacks. So these guys will automatically appear in the sort of top for most of the stats. But if you sort of look at it closely, you go, I don't think they really bring anything to the table. And if you compare them to somebody who's just having a good season, or let's put it this way, Daniel Alves has more accurate crosses than Ansaldi does. And, and Alves has not had, by any standards, what you would term a good season. And has played, I believe, less games than Ansaldi. So what's going on here? Um, in fact, D'Ambrosio's stats are remarkably a lot like Ignazio Bates. And I don't think that's what you're looking for. <laughs> no disrespect to Ignazio I think it's got you know just like D'Ambrosio the heart of a lion a great dude but 
Come on. I'm gonna I'm gonna disrespect Ignazio because I think he's shit, <laughs> and I think that I think the fact that you know once upon a time the fullbacks the good fullbacks were Zambrotas they were the you know what I mean like that is a good fullback that's a world class fullback that should play in a or you know in a, in an Inter or a Milan or a Juve you know what I mean these these hacks these players Ignazio Abate the only thing I, you know I'm not gonna talk shit about him but I do miss him it's, I think Diego Milito misses him because he used to he used to guarantee I don't know how many goals he guaranteed for Milito in the derby by by make by just being caught out for not being good enough either by position positioning or just being clumsy so you know this 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 fullback situation just needs to be addressed in the summer and I don't want to see look I do not want to see another one of these patched solutions I want them to this no none of these you know okay. let's put this there yeah exactly none of that this should be the prime focus Two decent fullbacks, one on either side. Full stop. Mm. That's what I want to see the, the, the money go to. I don't want to, I do not, you know, Nagatomo and Santana are on the way out. God bless him, thank you, goodbye. <laughs> yes, that's brilliant. But it doesn't matter if the starting fullbacks, and this D'Ambrosio nonsense, the only reason why Danilo D'Ambrosio is part of the Liazzuri and the, the, the Italian national team setup is due to it being at a historic low level when it comes to fullbacks. Mm. That's the only reason. He is not, the, the, he's not by any stretch of the imagination, a, one of the 10 or even 20 best fullbacks in the world. Not even close. He's not, you know, you can't say that to me. And, and, and that's why, the, you know, when, I, when, when, when he was, we're kind of going into uh, my uh, moji uh, of the week this week, but why the fuck did they give this guy a contract extension? I'm not sure. I mean, I kind I mean, of think I know, but I don't want to know. And, oh my God, what's he doing here? I mean, what the hell, man? I mean, we, we've, we, they did it last season to Nagatomo, and now they've got to want to get rid of him, and they, they, they probably can't, because nobody will pay his high wages. I mean, same thing with Ranocchia. We've been stuck with this idiot for about a decade now. Guarin was the same situation until a Chinese team came and saved us. I mean, what, what the hell is going on? A Chinese team we own. Pretty much, yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> <Good laughs> I, mean, I think even like Shanghai SIPG or all the other ones were like, yeah, I'm offering like 50 million for Oscar, but Guarine, no way, you keep that guy. <laughs> yeah, we, we, exactly. You can keep that shit. We, we'll, we'll stick to Oscar and Ramirez. No, but seriously, and, and that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. And, and it's, I, 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 we've got another one of, now we've got another one of these that we've got to support. You know, and, and he's got a contract until 2021. 2021, are you shitting me? Four-year extension? No, I know, uh, I know. It, it, but the, 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 the fallback importance cannot be underestimated. And yes. I know that you, it, you know, it's like it's preaching to the converted, but we work this out around the time of the 2010 World Cup, if not before, that if you had good attacking fallbacks, it really helped your team out. And I mean, that was the era of the alarms and of, you know, even Spain would go in, and I think one year they had Captavilla, but Captavilla was still playing at pretty good levels. But I mean, your Champions League winners had people like Dani Alves running down the wing. You had all sorts of good players. Mycon, you had yeah, you the... had the Mycons exactly. You had people who were kicking ass and taking names. And you know, you bought as Bayern Munich, you picked up Alaba from Austria for absolutely nothing, and you've got an absolute you know sort of legend. I mean, Jerome Boateng used to play on the as a fullback. You know, Juventus for so many years had really good win max. You know, Licksteiner used to be incredible. So, and at Inter, you haven't really had had anyone good since Mykon. 
And even yeah. the left back, I mean, we gave away Maxwell, and that's actually looking like one of the stupidest decisions we've probably made. And that's because he got on Mourinho's tits after that loss to Atalanta in the 08-09 season. But he's actually gone on to have seven good years as a pro and kept so many of these promising young PSG guys out the, the rotation. But the fact that even PSG can't get it right shows how hard it is to find the right fullback. And it's really important. It's yeah. the most important position on the on the team now. It used to be back in the days in the 80s and early 90s, you used, used to put the worst guy on the pitch. That yeah. Made, that's the guy who made the least damage. But now it's the most important fo- position on the pitch because it's the guy that gives you, you know, it, it gives you dynamism. It attacks from behind. You got, it gives you good crosses. You know, it, it's a really important position. And this <laughs> complete failure to get it right for seven years it's just and and to keep the giving these guys contract extensions that's what just drives me up the walls nagatomo would have been long gone by now but no we got to give him a contract extension i mean and also the they're, they're, they're so image related sorry to interrupt you but the nagatomo is because we have an east asian market we want to boost and because he's a nice dude and he's liked in the locker room and dambrozo because he's a leader right because when dambrozo come out to the start of the season and says this is unacceptable we're not playing like inter blah 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 but it's like at the time, I was like, I respect you for saying that, buddy, but if there's one person who's not playing like Inter right now, it's you. That was after the Palermo home draw, I believe, match day two. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a sort of, a lot of these dudes, like even Guarín was our sort of Moratti of the week because he's at one stage because he was really, you know, sort of proud to be Inter. But at the same level, I'm like going, I'd rather have a bunch of horrible human beings who are really good, like Luis Suarez, rather than people who are happy to be here and love the club, but play as well, well as I do. I don't know. Yeah, it's not it's not a social club. It's a football club. I mean, you can go be you know, go be friends somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like here, I want you guys to win. You know, like I don't know. It just it just frustrates me. Max, you're awfully quiet there. Uh, I don't mind Dam- the D'Ambrosio extension if he becomes a backup. Like if my dream Mercado for fullbacks is let's just meet the release clause. Let's get. Ricardo Rodriguez, Tapiano Gentile. Let's make a let's make a bid that Benjamin Mendy and his agent can't yes. turn down. Let's get him there. And then if D'Ambrosio's a backup who plays in Coppa Italian games or he fills in the void every now and then, I can live with that. I can live with that. He he's a serviceable serviceable fullback. But to see him start every game, to see him get exposed, I'm with you, Nima. But uh, it's it's it's. No band-aid solutions, as you said before. Like, we need to... This is the first thing we need to address. And we can't wait. We can't panic by late in the Mercado in the summer. This is priority number one for, for me, personally. Exactly. That's Get this sorted out. Yeah, I mean, it's like... You can't put a band-aid on a gunshot wound. And exactly. he's been doing it for seven years. And, and it's, getting, it's getting to the point where it's becoming ludicrous. When, 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 when Crotone expose you the way, they, the way they did this Sunday... What, do you, what the hell do you think a Real Madrid will do to you at the Santiago Bernabeu? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, fucking... it's rock bottom. It's rock bottom. This, is, this issue has to be addressed. I mean, it, it should have been more in the first half. Inter should have been down 3-4-0 after the first half. They really should Agreed. have. Like, You're completely yeah. right. You're com- I mean, all then, didn't he have a shot basically turned off the line by Miranda? Was it him? Yeah. yeah. yeah and then... Speaking of the depth, I'm just going to go on to, to a little tangent here. Speaking yes. uh, of the depth of the team, the depth of the team is another big problem. Like, we kind of lied to ourselves during that, during that nice 13-game streak. Oh, we have the players, everyone's performing well, but we're down to nothing. Who do we bring on to save the day? 
Palacio and Adair. Like, that's not... Adair's decent, but that that's, doesn't instill confidence in anybody. Palacio, if you would have played that game 100 times and made that substitution 100 times, Palacio wouldn't have scored once. He was never going to <laughs> score. Ever. So, I, I mean, that I speaks agree. to the depth of this team. I, I just... That's when it hit me. I'm like, we're bringing on Palacio and Adair to save the day. Like, we're just not there yet. We're not there. That's so true, because also the fact that Perisic and Kandreva have been out of form, but there's no, and Icardi as well, but there's no one to replace them. Like Gab said uh, earlier in the show, when he said, who's your second striker? It's Palacio. I mean, yeah. come on. You know, and, and there, is, there is an issue here, and I, and I think that, that needs to be addressed. And I think they need to do it properly. And, you know, they need to raise the, you know, all world-class teams have two world-class players in every position. And if Inter want to be there, they need to sort it out. They really do. They really do. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's leave the Crotone game uh, 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 and hopefully uh, next week when we convene, we'll be much more happier. But uh, <laughs> before, we, before we finish off, um, it's time for the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, as well as criticize heavily something in the world and or something or someone in the world of football starting uh, back to take his crown from Eduardo uh, with the Frog of the Week is the King of the Frogs, Mr. Max DeLuca. All right, we're gonna go to the number two Bundesliga for this one. Do you guys, uh, do you guys remember Raphael Vandervaart's wife, Sylvie? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's his, it's his, <laughs> Sylvie it's his Mike, excellent surname before she became Vandervaart. I still remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about her? Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, it's the ex-wife now. Yeah, you pronounced her her uh, maiden name uh, perfectly, Eduardo. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Anyways, Hanover. Oh, sorry. Carry on. Yeah. Carry on. Yes, wife, yeah. There you go, buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hanover, who are, I think they're leading uh, the Bundesliga 2, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they're leading the Bundesliga 2. So anyways, they have this, the, the manager thinks it's a good idea. Um, they have this life-size cardboard cutout of her. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gets better. Every time every time uh, Hanover wins or gets a point, they remove a piece of her clothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is 100% true. This is like adults. Like, this isn't like under 16 or under 15. This is like, this is Hanover. <laughs> They're going to be in the Bundesliga next next season if all goes well. So, anyways, they, they uh, yeah, at the time they win, <laughs> they remove a piece of her clothing. And... <laughs> Sylvie knows about this. So uh, they interviewed her, Bill interviewed her, and she said, yeah, I think uh, it's funny that uh, I'm a nice omen, I'm a good omen for the team, and, and this and that. And they said, if, the, if they do secure promotion in May, then uh, she's going to appear in their dressing room in person. Naked. I, no, no, I didn't say that. I, was just, <laughs> I didn't say that, but like... Um, you would have to figure something along those lines, but no, she just said uh, if if they gain promotion, she's going to appear in their dressing room. <laughs> yeah, that's, for me, that's kind of I... creepy and weird and kind of embarrassing. This is grown men. Like, you really have, like, a cardboard cutout of her and then remove a little piece every time they win and then 
she knows about it and thinks it's a great idea and says, yeah, I'm going to appear if you guys. What are they going to do? What is she going to wear? What are they going to talk? You know what I mean? Like, this is a bad thing. Oh, my God. This is somehow less of an awkward entrance to a dressing room (laughs) as Rihanna breaking into Germany's after they won the World Cup and everybody was going like, are you serious? That's Rihanna? No way. I think I just wanna I just wanna know this cardboard thing of her with the clothes on. Um, I, I just hope that it's gonna. <laughs> I just hope it's in the dressing room when they secure promotion and she waltzes, Sylvie waltzes in and stands by. It. I mean that that is that is so that is gonna be so surreal. That's like David Lynch Twin Peaks surreal, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have some German friends, so maybe I mean there's there'll probably be more in-depth stuff in German, but we'll we'll just keep an eye on it. I'll uh, tweet out uh, uh, the, the article that I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, near the end of the season, we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted, <laughs> Studio Inter listeners, to this. <laughs> oh, dear, that's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Well, before we move on, uh, Mohammed uh, who couldn't join us today, uh, but uh, we we have to. Do, it's time, I think, for another Coutinho update with Mr. Max DeLuca as well, isn't it? <laughs> he's on fire. He's he's lighting it up. I think he he just broke a record for uh, Premier League record, I, I believe, for the Brazilian with the most most goals. Uh, he can't stop scoring right now. Huge huge mistake. Instead of you know, and continue, that'd be all right, eh? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit defeat and just bow. You know, <laughs> you won this battle. I'm gonna crawl back into the cave and regroup, and then come back attacking <laughs> when, when the time is right. But yeah, you're absolutely right. He did beat a record. Uh, he's the Brazilian who scored the most goals um, in the in Premier League history, but uh, but it's something ridiculous as well. It's not a lot of goals though. It wasn't exactly like, it's like thirty something. It's not that many. Yeah, yeah, it's not that many at all. Uh, but still, it's a lot about the other Brazilians, really. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, yeah, it really does. Right. Um, moving on to uh, the uh, Moratti of the week with Mr. Eduardo Dalmonte. Oh my god, he is beautiful! He is beautiful, yeah! Well, uh, our Moratti of the week is uh, a club legend, of course, Marco Materazzi, who uh, had something to say on his Instagram account after Inter Milan lost to Crotone. Although he never specified who this message was for, I think we all know who he was talking about. Time puts everyone in their own place, every queen on her throne, every clown in his circus adding uh, beneath, uh, before accusing anyone, look at yourself in the mirror. Um, everybody wins and loses together forever. And uh, everybody thinks this is about Piero Auxilio, our director of sports, who effectively did say a few things which annoyed me both before and after the game, um, which was sort of probably aimed at the team, at Pioli. I kind of didn't like that the director sort of showed up on Monday morning, uh, this morning, of course, and was sort of demanding effort from the team. They were like, ah, 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 which, I don't know. I think that blame for a lot of this can be spread out throughout sort of the club, including Auxilio himself, of course. Um, if you think back to the time when Frank De Paul got fired, Auxilio was working against him 
who were probably working to make sure that their man Pioli was actually brought to the club. You could add, of course, uh, Giovanni Gardini to this fold since Auxilio recruited him. So, I don't know. I mean, I think he's doing a decent job. There are things about him that I would like improved, and I like a lot of his sort of behind-the-scenes nonsense to end. I want there to be a defensive Pioli that rivals that, that of, I don't know, Helms deep. I mean, I want people to literally be, you know, you look at Juventus the minute you accuse anyone. It's, oh my God, how dare he say Let's immediately have them kicked off the air as they threatened Fabio Caressa in 2005, which he revealed recently. And by the way, read that article because it's shocking. Yeah, that's what I had to say. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, car chocolate never happened, apparently, guys. Didn't you hear that? No, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was never happened. It was Fixed. Moratti who created it. Yeah, Moratti created all of it. Yeah, there's, no, there's, Moratti... no, there's no proof, despite like reams and reams and reams and reams <laughs> of transcripts, which you'd have to be blind not to read. But never or, mind. Or, or, no, there's, there's audio. You know, that's yeah. what I love about it. Like, when there's audio evidence and there's people actually admitting and talking. But apparently Moratti created all of it. Moratti all apparently... Yeah, Moratti owned... Win a title in 20 years, was able to yeah. drop the biggest conspiracy in Italian football. Apparently, Moratti is, can't, can't build a team to save his life for 20 years, but he can do a conspiracy that would make the NSA look like fucking amateurs. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. hey, that was him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not the NSA listening in to you, folks. It's Moratti. Moratti. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, people are so full of shit and stupid. Don't even get me started. Right. Um, Let's move on to uh, the, uh, uh, the Moji of the week, speaking of Calciopoli, which I'll be presenting myself. <laughs> yeah, we've already, uh, we've already been, uh, been, been touching on this. Um, and and, and it's, it's this, you know, there's a lot of things that, at the Inter that aren't okay, and, and, and it kind of goes together with your with your uh, with your Moratti as well. The Materazzi, uh, I, I personally don't blame Auxilio uh, for that because I think that with the situation of Moratti leaving and Tohir coming in and all the bullshit he caused, and then them leaving, and you know, I, I think he's he's had to work under very difficult circumstances, and he's That's tried true. to. Uh, he's tried to do the best he can. Uh, sure, you can always want him to do better, but I think that you know he's he's done pretty okay. But he needs to be criticized severely for extending Nagatomo's contract and D'Ambrosio's contract and having a playing a part in Ranocchia and 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 all of this uh, because th- there is no reason. This is Inter. This isn't Bologna. This isn't. With all due respect to Lazio. This is Inter. This is Italian football royalty. Players like Nagatomo, D'Ambrosio, and Ranocchia should not together play almost 20 seasons at Inter. It's a fucking embarrassment. And that you make a mistake when you sign a player, everyone can do that. But extending the contracts of the players that have been shit and are, you know, are laughing stocks in, in the world, that, that's your own fault. That's, that's taking a knife to your own, you know, that's committing harakiri, basically. And that's something that uh, Alcibio needs to own. Um, extending Nagatomo's contract last season and then now saying, oh, he's not part of the project, that's stupid. That, that is incredibly stupid. Uh, same thing, you know, Ranocchio's situation is finally getting resolved, I think, given his great performances in, in, in the Premier League. But D'Ambrosio, I just hope that doesn't come and bite us in the ass, which I think it will. So, but still, the, the, someone needs to... We need to, we need to take a good look at ourselves and these 
these stupid decisions are not making us look any 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 <laughs> that good at all. So for me, uh, it was it, it was it was a collective thing. This the, the the problems at Inter that have been going on for seven years are that were exposed brutally against Crotone uh, on the wings is is my moji of the week. Right. Um, if you guys haven't committed suicide from that gloomy note, uh, <laughs> um, oh, it's time for the silver lining. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it was awfully quiet. No, but if you guys haven't committed suicide yet, I'd like to uh, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I'd like to thank you, Max, for hurrying home. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Sorry, <laughs> sorry uh, for being late, and uh, just want to give a shout out to Mohammed. I was really uh, excited to hear. Uh, Indanovich rant today, but uh, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. I'm sure. I'm sure Mo will be back next week to give you a proper rant after Indanovich fucks up the derby. <laughs> <laughs> he could have maybe. He could have maybe moved a little faster on the second goal. Didn't really raise an arm. I, w- I, I got to. I got to tell you, I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that Miranda was the one who blocked that second goal. I was just. I, I, I could hear Mo's, Mo's voice in my head going, "See, he can't do anything. We need to have two goalkeepers with this idiot." <laughs> I was brilliant, brilliant. No, and also thank you, Mr. Eduardo Del Monte, for joining us again. Thank you so much, guys. And also a huge shout out to uh, Gabriel Marcotti, uh, who's a. I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, I've been following. If, if you, you know, if you, Likewise. I, I mean, if you, if you know uh, Italian football in English, it's Gabriel Marcotti. At least that's the way it's been for me and many other people. And thank you so much for coming on. And we'll definitely try to bring him on uh, some other time. And it was such a nice guy for, for, for taking time out of his holiday with his wife and kids to sit and talk football with us for almost an hour. So that's really nice. So it's Derby Week. Derby della Madonnina. Until next week. Sempre e solo. Forza Inter, Milan Merda. <laughs>